Hey, I'm Aeon. And I'm the Lioness. And you're listening to Box Number 512 Podcast. Grown Black Trans Woman Talk. Changing your world one conversation at a time. The show begins now. Hey y'all, welcome to episode 19 of Box Number 5 Solve Podcast, Grown Black Trans Woman Talk. I am Aeon. And I'm the Lioness. So let's get right into it. Let's do updates. Sis, you go first. So uh, my week has been phenomenal um, in the sense that I, I, I am busy these days. And it feels good to be busy when you were in a place in your life where you want, where you pray for something to do. And when God hears you, honey, sometimes he really just wears you down. So this week has been a blessing because I'm not complaining and it is, and it's amazing to be busy. Um, I've had, um, I'm in a play here in Atlanta and we are filming on Wednesday. Um, and, and, and this is really exciting. I might put the play information. It's called, the play is called The Grand Transsexual Draw Nine. It's about a uh, uh, inner, uh, a diverse group of trans folk of different trans identities that um, are on Halloween night and they are going through a whole bunch of hijinks and hilarity and um, and it's got a bit of like funny, funny like parts in it. I get a really good monologue where I get to kind of crack up. So for those of you who are into the cinema, the theater, feel free to, um, I'll put that information on the page in the name of my play. Again, it's called The Grand Transsexual Draw It's Nigh. And it'll be performed and put on by Outright, um, I'm, excuse me, Outfront Theater here in Atlanta. And I'm excited to be a part of it. So yeah, girl, that's what's going on with me. What about you? Um, nothing, girl. So I just got back from my second little mini vacation um, yesterday afternoon. Um, I was actually went to Houston, Texas. I'll put it out there sometime back. Um, and Don't I had a move like an assassin, y'all. Um, and I had a really good, um, relaxing time. I had a nice hotel. When I first got to the hotel, I knew that God wanted me to be there because there was a Walmart right next to my hotel, so I was able to get everything I needed oh, and. Yeah, I was basically, I basically stayed in my um, hotel my entire time. I think I was there for like about five or six days, but I didn't go. I didn't go anywhere. Y'all know how I get down. I'm a very simple girl. Also, I knew what situation I was going into. When I, I was going to say, y'all, my sis, yeah, if y'all, if y'all haven't watched this previously, she's not lying when she said she didn't leave because even before COVID, my sister is the type of person when she's on vacation. She doesn't like to think about an itinerary, a list, things to do. She likes to relax. And I feel like the most that we've done together, even when you come here, is we go to like, we go, me and her, we go shopping. And occasionally, we will, like a couple of times she'll come, we've gone to like the park. We've been to like a jazz festival before, I think, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like we, but, but you're not a girl that likes to do a lot of stuff. And I have to respect that. I guess because my, li- my work life is so high strung. Ah. That on my personal end, you know, the life of a lawyer, you always are going places and socializing and going to dinner. So on my personal time, 
I just really like to chill and relax. And then I guess because I'm an only child, like I can enjoy spending time with myself and be, you know, and being by myself. Um, of course, there were places I wanted to go visit in Houston, but everything is closed. And like I said, I knew what situation I was um, getting into when I went to Texas. But like I said before, when I traveled to Atlanta, I knew what I had to do to remain safe, um, have my mask on throughout the whole airport experience. We're not eating. Um, we're not talking too much to folks. Um, <laughs> go, go straight to baggage claim, straight to my Uber, um, wash my hands. I was so happy. Um, there was a Walmart next to my hotel because I was able to buy, because I um, forgot to bring my hand soap that I bought for my Atlanta trip. So I was able to buy my soaps and buy my hand sanitizers and um, and just keep it safe. And um, the hotel I stayed in was a suite. It, they had like a full decked out kitchen. So I was able to, I didn't have to order out as much. So I could, oh, you yeah, know. Oh yeah, I did see that. She had a nice hotel room, y'all. It looked like an apartment. I right, that. right. So I had fun. I had my little company because, you know, I'm still a single woman. Um, okay. Stella slightly got her groove back safely. Without going into too much detail, how was that girl for our squirrels out there that are listening? Uh, you know, it comes a time where, you know, a girl needs to get her, her back broke and a girl needs Ooh. to be touched like a girl needs to be touched. So, you know, I, I had, what, you think, yeah, what are the scores? Um, no, Houston was, what I will say, Houston has a lot of nice, like, chocolate black men, baby, mm. with bodies. That's and there's never been a bitch that said my ass was too much, honey, bitch. Uh, what, I, what I pulled, honey, would make some of the girls scream. But don't don't sleep because I'm a big girl. I'm a, I'm a big beautiful girl, so don't. The pieces were living and, um, all day, every day, three sixty five, honey. My sister just my sister Saleh, and if y'all could just see, cause I'm cause what y'all not, what y'all really miss. Oh, I feel like from this podcast experience is that mug and this thing. My sister is everything. And so, yes, I, that's why I asked her about um, um, Houston because, bitch, I was, I've always been trying to tell her that the men in the South love them, love all that ass, bitch. And so the idea, I, I knew she was going to have a blast. So I'm glad you enjoyed that. You yeah, know, it was nice. It was respectful. You know, they respected my rules. I didn't have to put nobody out. Right. My items didn't mysteriously walk up out the room. So, you know, a good time was had by all. And it helped me get over my last romantic situation. And now I'm at the point where I just want, romantically, I just want things to be light for a little while because I have so much other things I have going on in my life um, where I, you know, the, ro- the other romantic stuff that I was going through, I just wanted to be light and I just want to be able to walk into this um, new season. So I, I needed the trip to Atlanta. Shout out to the, the fabulous um, men in Atlanta. Um, I mean, not, not Atlanta, Houston, excuse me. That's all right, girl, because it's a it's an honest mistake, girl. You just were here. Yeah, but no, they were they were so fun. If if y'all girls only knew the type of pieces I had access to, y'all would gag. But anyway, that, that's a that's a whole nother topic. But no, I had fun. Um, got back safe. Um, you know, thank God, I had a safe flight, safe trip. Um, here, I'm just trying to get the energy to pack. I have a lot of other 
um, prospects going on in my life that I won't talk about now, but just send positive energy my way. Good vibes, um, good vibes, good vibes. Good vibes. <laughs> um, I'm finally, it's some stuff going on the behind the scenes where I'm able to stay in my lane and step into my calling. So I'm really excited about that. Whether, you know, what happens either way, because, you know, what's for me is for me. And I'm just really ready to get to, um, to DC and just um, begin my career and just um, move and shake and meet people. So y'all are going to gag. Y'all are really going to gag, but it's a lot of um, stuff under wraps um, going on with me, but I'm just, I'm just really um, looking forward to the future. So that, that's all I have for this update. Yeah. So before we get to the main topic, um, we're going to get into a topic, you guys, but go ahead sit. Um, I just wanted to, when I came home yesterday, um, I saw this hit the news waves. So LGBTQ Nation, shout out to them. They released an article yesterday. And the title of the article says, and we'll um, put the link to the article in the show captions. The title of the article says, Trump administration memo explains how to spot a transgender woman. So y'all know with the Trump administration, they have attacked the trans community in many ways. And one of the ways that they attack the trans community is that they release uh, recommendations saying that homeless shelters do not have to admit transgender people. Um, do if they are a religious organization, do they to their b- religious beliefs? And we already know how much, I don't even have to go into the statistics, how much um, trans folks um, do live in poverty, do live um, with housing insecurities. And sometimes homeless shelters are the last resort for us, but because a lot of them are transphobic, um, a lot of them turn us away. Um, due to transphobia. So getting back to the um, article, it says, a copy of the new rule that will allow homeless shelters to refuse transgender people has been leaked to the media, and it contains instructions on how to spot transgender women to target them for discrimination. Um, Earlier this month, Department of Housing and Urban Development HUD announced that it would be rolling back the Obama-era equal access rule, which required homeless shelters that receive HUD funding to house trans people with the gender they identify as. Um, The announcement means um, that homeless shelters will be allowed to determine who is transgender and it poses a significant risk to people's privacy rights. So um, it goes on to say that shelter workers may use factors such as height, the presence but not absence of facial hair, the presence of an Adam's apple, and other physical characteristics which, when considered together, are indicative of a person's biological sex. Um, if a person, if a homeless person appears too transgender for a homeless shelter, the shelter is allowed to ask them for proof of biological sex. Um, and what is um, that? B- well, proof of biological sex. If my ID isn't enough, then what is the proof of biological sex? So, no, let's, let's go on. 
Evidence requested must not be unduly intrusive of privacy, such as private, physical, anatomical evidence, the rule states, barring shelters from forcing suspected transgender people to strip in front of them. Evidence requested could include government identification, but lack of government identification alone cannot be the sole oh. basis for denying amendments on the basis of sex. So I'm just going to leave this here. Um, also, it should be um, interesting to note that Ben Carson, who is the secretary of HUD appointed by the orange man, um, huh. once described transgender women as big, hairy men who impede the rights of cisgender women um, who, are not un who are uncomfortable with trans women. So I just wanted to throw that in there. Um, I shared this article on my Facebook page and my Instagram page. Um, we already know that this is transphobic. We already know that while you can, you can't use these set of characteristics to determine whether somebody is trans or not. But I shared it to also say that cis women are going to be impacted by this rule because it's a lot of cis women that do not neatly fit into the binary of what it means to be a woman. And it, they can say that, oh, we don't mean for people to, for people's uh, physical privacy to be invaded. But you know that having a rule like this will open up the door for all women, trans ancestors, to face physical violence because a shelter wants to determine their gender by looking at their genitals to determine if they can stay there for the night or not. So exactly. like or making them stand in front of a tribunal of people that would then ascertain whether or not we think you pretty enough to stay in. Right. And then and girl, let me say this. Another thing that really just itched me about what you just said was the the notion to like that gender is on uh, that transness is only trans women trying to, to try to only trans women. I think we also want to point out how detrimental that this will be to trans and, and non-binary women also like like think about people that um that, that may not necessarily look themselves neatly as a woman and they are cis women. Think about those women that are butch. Think about right. those women that um that that may have facial hair as we know what's the thing. Think about those women that may be tall. Think about what this will do to minority women of color who often don't fit into the neat standard of what the world considers soft or delicate. Think about how we're built and how our bodies are and how people can oppress. It's just gagging to me. But you know what? Let me say this. You know how they say never meet your heroes? Ben Carson was someone that I used to look up to as a youth because mm -hmm. his hands the book touched me. <clears throat> and then since he began to run for public office, I realized what a numbskull he is and how he is a vapid waste of space of a human being when it comes to his have him having emotional intelligence. He's also an example to me of someone that has a skill set that is very unique and specific, but that skill set is not dealing with human beings that ain't already put under. He's not that person. Like, just because you're a good surgeon does not mean you're supposed to be a politician. And I think that he is a great example of someone who's a bumbling idiot who is making policies that are going to affect broadly so many different people just solely for the purpose of him to get his own discriminatory agenda across. I think he is a disgrace to blackness in the sense that a lot of his policies and procedures are anti-black. Right. And they, are, and they uphold white supremacy and a white supremacist idea of acceptability. And I also just think him as a man, he's a limp, he's a limp, milk a toast ass nigga. Because instead of him using this opportunity and this role to lift up black people, he's done everything he can to rule back protections for the most vulnerable of us. So fuck him.
Right, and I just want to double back. Not only is this policy anti-trans, it's anti-black because going back to a couple of episodes ago, black cis women do not neatly fall into these prescribed gender roles. Uh Like, we don't. We (laughs) don't. So, and cis women, I know cis women that grow facial hair. I know cis women that are taller than me. I know cis women that have Adam's app. So, this whole using these um, secondary sex characteristics that are trying to determine somebody's genitalia, it's going to open all of these places up to lawsuits. Because people, as we have seen, these people that follow and support Trump are violent as hell and feel like they are above the law and they can spit on you, they can um, point their guns at you. They can point their hands at you. And now... What about the violence, too, that this can enact on trans men? I'm sorry, this just also came to me. Trans right. Trying to get into the men's... Think about that. And how right. That could be for someone that is a trans man to be going to a shelter. And then now you have these men, these cis men, feeling like now I have to determine whether or not I, I, I see you as a man. And, and then having them go through inspections that could include, what if I'm bound? You see what I'm saying? And, and y'all, it, or what if I'm raped as a result of these physical uh, intrusions? Yeah, exactly. And also, like, what if, like, because, you know, we know trans people have different ways of concealing their identity, you know, or of representing their gender, and a lot of trans men bind. So then think about how that could affect them, too. Like, ladies and gentlemen, this is a time where we should be very scared. We should be terrified that we're living in a regime that is now enacting policies that allow people to be marginalized and discriminated. And then the next thing is, so then what do we do with these housing? Where do we, how, how do we house these people that are now on the streets as vagrants? These others, these foundlings, these things we don't want, those creatures that, that aren't even worthy of housing, what are we gonna do? They're gonna lock them up. And yes, ladies and gentlemen, I'm alluding that the past can repeat itself and that we could end up in a situation where we're in a world where people are being locked in cages, not just, and we know we're living in that world because that's what's happening at the border now. But I'm saying we could live in a world where all of the rights and rules that we think as LGBT folk are just going to happen because of the tide. Maybe the tide and the letter of the law are two different things. And if this man gets reelected and this, this fool Carson is allowed to stay in this role, we're fucked in a lot of ways. And, I, and that's what's scary to me. Yeah, so... Excuse me. I have nothing. I have nothing for this administration. I think this is a horrible rule, and you know what I give. I'm here to fight back against this rule at any cost because it's ridiculous. We we the focus should be housing homeless people, not trying to determine people's genitals so we can exclude them from the basic level of care that everybody needs. So, so Brianna, do you think that this will affect your really fast when we leave this topic? Do you think that? it will affect the work that you're doing now? Because my sister Brianna, for you guys who don't know, she's a civil rights attorney. So how do you think that this new ruling will affect, because I'm sure there are going to be a lot of people now that are going to be thrown out of things, disenfranchised, you know? Well, I think it'll probably be a lawsuit um, coming down the pipeline very soon, suing the... um, suing HUD actually for um violating people's constitutional rights so that so that that's probably coming so like it it won't affect it won't affect what I do or what organizations that handle this type of work um do in a negative way it's just like another thing for us to um challenge 
also um, uh, another battle. It, to fight. It, it, yeah, it's another battle to fight, and it also um, reaffirms the importance of us passing the Equality Act because one of the um, features of the Equality Act is that it will um, protect um, LGBT people when it comes to public accommodations and this and um, housing and homeless shelters definitely fall under the um, the sphere of um, pu uh, public accommodations issue, just like um, trans folks using the bathroom and the bathroom laws that were like the big thing like a couple of years ago. So uh, we gotta get that Equality Act passed. So, and a lot of these um, religious organizations like to argue, argue religious freedom, but it has always been my personal politic that you don't use your religious views to discriminate and oppress other people. So um, yeah, we gotta get that Equality Act passed so we can um, re so we can really re-strengthen the um, Civil Rights Act of 1964 that has been eroded by so many um, so so much case law, which has been strengthened recently by that Title VII decision. But we we still need that Equality Act passed. So for sure, for sure. <laughs> So today's topic is going to revolve around killing DL culture. Um, there is a movement that is um, going around um, called Boycott DL Men. And from what I've seen, it's, um, it's very divisive in our community. Yeah. Um, and polarizing because people feel different ways in reference to um, that particular statement or that particular sentiment. And I don't think we've talked about like relationships on this podcast and our relationships with cis men as um, I date cis men, um, the lioness is married to a cis man. But I don't, I don't ever think we've really tackled the um, DL conversation. I know. And so this is going to be exciting. And for our listeners, you're now getting our really, us to really unpack a phenomenon that really touches us deeply. And we wanted to have this conversation today because we felt it was important for y'all to really get black grown trans woman's point of view on this DL phenomenon and all of its little parts. And when this month may not be comprehensive, like we don't expect to cover all things, but today right. we really want to take the moment to just unpack some of these things. Well, what were you saying? Today? And we could we and we'll definitely probably circle back to this on a later episode because like these things aren't set in stone and this is something that is recently come into the consciousness of our community, wow. especially with the times that we're in, especially with the the rampant murders and violence against black trans women. But I think we we first have to talk about the ways in which DL culture is um, inextricably linked to uh, tr Black trans women culture, how they kind of are hand in hand and also kind of like what realistic steps do we um, do we take? And I like the I like the I like killing DL culture as a term. I like boycotting DL um, men as a term because it's is extreme, but realistically. 
at least for me, I know that tomorrow is not going to be in that world. We're not going to live in that world. That's not realistic. But I do think realistically, there are things we can do to like really analyze what is going on. And I think there's realistically, there are things that Black trans women can do if they want to. And this is definitely not um, a judgment. Um, Everybody is an adult. Everybody is grown. But for me, it's important to start um, divesting from the culture. I agree. And before we get into divesting, sis, I want us to take a moment because I can hear our listeners, some of them out there going, like, particularly for the men that may be listening that are saying, oh, this doesn't apply to me. Or even the, the cis women that might be listening that are wondering, well, y'all keep talking about this DL, 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 DL. What is DL? What is this word we're using? And in the context of uh, in this conversation, how do we define a man that is moving in DL? Because there are some men that are moving DL, that are living that identity. And before we can unpack it and talk about how we can deconstruct it, I think we need to really make sure some of these men on here know that we're talking about you. We know we have a large male listenership. Hey, fellas. This is a conversation we would love for you to lean in. Sis, um, I I guess you can go first. Explain what DL is to you and um, how you think men, how would you identify a man by his movement that is DL? So DL, um, from what I remember, it's kind of like always been in like black culture, like down low, keep it on the down low, keep it hush. But I think when it became popularized and when it became synonymous with um, queer Blackness, particularly gay Black men, was that whole, uh, when J.L. King wrote that book in 2003, Mm -hmm. uh, J.L. King is a a Black gay man who was once closeted and or DL, who was married, but was secretly having sex with um, other men. Um, Ultimately, he... um, accepted his his homosexual identity and um he i think him and his wife divorced he had kids but he wrote a book about his experiences and he went on the oprah show back in like the early 2000s and the term as it's now known um is associated um with um black cis hat appearing men or cishet performing men that secretly have sex with other men. In this particular instance, when we use DL, uh, the term DL in trans community, and it's important to know that trans community, Black trans community and Black um, cis gay community, um, we're adjacent to one another. And we use a lot of the same lingo and we're connected to each other. When we're having this particular conversation and when we use DL, we're particularly talking about cis het men that, um, uh, um, that secretly um, date, have sex with um, trans women. But for all of intents and purposes, um, nobody knows about their trans attraction, and they still appear to the cis hat world as a um, as a cis hat male. Right. Okay. Um, um, uh, do you mind if I add on to that definition at all? Yeah. Go ahead. Um, I also would like to say so for those of you who are listening, 
and you're wondering what well, you're wondering when we say DL, if we're talking about you, unpacking DL behavior is any, it's, it's when you are made, let's say you are, you're in case that, because this is, we understand that the men that encounter us have to go through a journey, right? And we understand that as a part of that journey, a lot of these men um, are not able to be their authentic self in a world where not that when, especially when you live in a world where you see the object of your desire being the object of everyone else's revulsion, being the object of everyone else's, um, 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 I, you know, it gives them issue. They have a problem with it. And so then for a lot of men who happen to have privilege of being able to exist and navigate in a world where they are a cis person and a straight person. Yes where they are unchallenged in how they show up in the world. Now, we know that sexuality is a pendulum. And hopefully those of us that are, those of you guys who are listening know that there's no such thing as being able to see someone's sexuality. So then what happens is you have the phenomenon where you have this group of men that have been taught to have shame around their non-heteronormative attraction Mm. and how it manifests for us as trans people they begin to engage in behaviors that are minimizing to our experience that may also be damaging to their, their, the, 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 the trust and the honesty and the things that the relationship that they're already in with a partner they may or may not actually love because they may have gotten this partner to hide. So what you're dealing with when you're dealing with DL men, what I know is that it comes from a place of fear. Right. It comes from someone that has the inability to, act, for whatever reason, to feel like they have the safe space to be on their own. So the reason why I wanted to define that is because there are some men out here that are listening right now. If you are moving and behaving in a way that is operating from a place of fear, where you are telling a trans woman, I can't date you publicly, or you're only engaging with trans people's transactional, and you're lying about it then your DL. It's the lie is to me what makes that main DL. It's the behaviors that you engage in to minimize the other person's emotions and feelings and thoughts and to reduce them to a transaction. And then on the flip side, you go back home to your heteronormative life where no one knows that you have this secret and you lie and you may even engage in enacting policies against that community. You may even engage in doing whatever you can to show you may be going to a church where that's preached against, but you're doing everything you can to try to distance yourself by your behaviors from the object of your desire. And even if it means minimizing or hurting the object of your desire, which is where DL can become dangerous. And we wanted to take a moment to give this definition because I feel like there are a lot of men out here that are not aware that they are moving in a DL way. If you think you need to be moving, if you feel like you don't want, you're nervous about the people at your job knowing, but you're still engaging with this community and you're not being honest with your partners, you're DL. Right. If you are one of those men that goes on the internet and you go onto a dating site. And with no profile picture. With no profile pictures with no real type of conversation with the girl. You're not even really telling her about your life. You may not even be using your real name. You have DL yeah. or discreet on your profile or you Any, make, you make it clear say, when just, you interact with her, this needs to be DL or you need to be discreet. The notion that you're, and you would, you would seek someone out 
and then tell them, don't tell nobody, I'm discreet, means that you feel that there's shame and guards regarding our, our interaction. And you're telling me you have not done the work to fully integrate your identity into your real world. And now you are to me, DL. So for those of you who are when confused, you, we're when you send a picture of your dick and balls or your ass spread crack open before you, you hear, before you're even willing to send a face pic, sis, you're on the DL. You're on the DL. So for those of you who are listening to this now and you're like, I don't know if they're talking about me, the, oh, I love the girls, I love the girls, but I am married or I have a situation and I don't know how to get out of your DL. And we're talking about you. Now, this is not to condemn your experience because as I stated earlier, there are reasons for you to be afraid to be yourself. And we know that the men must go through a transition. I even, I think a lot of the men that engage with us, including my husband, were at one point, at some point, moving in a way that could label them DL. The issue that we're saying with being DL is when you're not honest. Brianna and I, if you listen to our show, we talk all the time about how we don't mind if you can tell me, look me in my face and say, hey, look, I'm not looking for a relationship. I'm not looking to be with you because we're not a thirsty community. We're not saying if you don't want to date us, then you are, there's something is wrong with you. What we're saying is be honest so that we can charge you the rate that we charge for DL behaviors. Right. That's what we're saying. We're saying that we know that there's a place in the ecosystem for people who have sexual proclivities that they don't want to live out in their regular life. We get it. But it's DL behavior to us, and that's why we charge you. And so for those of you who out there may be wondering if this is a bad DL conversation, it isn't. Because a lot of girls' transitions were paid for by DL men who were coming to support their business. So I'm not going to sit here and trash in that way. But what we're talking about today is when the DL becomes toxic, when it's when you begin to lie to yourself, it's when you begin to lie to the people you're engaging with, it's when you begin to lie to your family, and most importantly, it's when you're willing to do anything to hide the lie. That's the DL phenomenon we're talking today, and that's what needs to be dismantled. Yes. So thank you, sis, for... Um... Um, expounding upon that and explaining that out. Um, so now I think I want to go here. So a couple of, like a week or two ago, there, um, India Moore, um, actress from Pose, she posted um, a picture and basically it was like a big red block with white letters that said boycott DL men. So I um, screenshotted it and I shared it on my uh, Instagram and my Facebook pages. And um, it got a lot of positive feedback and positive responses, but it also just um, started a debate um, in community. One of those people I debated with, shout out to Diamond Styles of Marsha's Plate. Um, me and her had a, um, a interesting debate. Um, one thing I love about Diamond is I know when it comes to her and I, we disagree um, on our reasoning, but I kind of live for that because me going back and forth for her, it makes me have to um, come up with stronger. On a battle sprinkle that analysis, bitch. yeah, it it makes me come up with stronger arguments to counter what she is saying. So I live for the fact that um, we all want the same thing. We just all have different ways of getting there. So I really live for this back and forth. I think we was going back and forth for like four or five in the morning. 
Um, it just goes to show you how um, we're night owls. So I posted the boycott DL men um, picture. Um, Diamond responded. It seems a little hypocritical um, because if I'm playing a stealth card whenever I don't want the shit that comes along with being trans. So um, I responded, and I'm not going to go into all of the things, but I just wanted to go. Yeah, I just wanted to set the tone. Um, So I said, I disagree with that premise. Um, Physical violence, excuse me, is not the only form of transphobia there are. Excuse me. So many trans folks who are stealth actively. Um, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. I jumped down. Let me um, go back to the first response. Um, oh, my first response to um, her initial response. Um, I said, Diamond, I think um, to equate being stealth to being on the DL is a false equivalent. Girls being stealth does not result, result in widespread community violence. In fact, it allows trans women to navigate the world and live authentically in their truth. I don't think the same uh, argument can be made for DL men who are hiding to maintain privilege that they were born with. Um, I'm ready for the debate, sis, LOL. She responded to me, they literally are stealth for the same reason DL men are, um, to protect privilege of um, seeming to be cishet. And then I responded, but I don't believe that stealth trans folks are able to benefit from the privilege in the same ways that DL cis folks do. DL cis folks can't opt in and out in a way that stealth trans folks cannot. So um, that was basically the um, gist of our our debate. Um, basically, Diamond was on the side of equating um, equating um, DL men to stealth trans women. Say, and I guess you were trying to say that they're both a part of the problem. Wow. And so then... I- <laughs> Go ahead, sis. Go ahead. Um, I want to say, um, I shout out to Diamond, girl. This analysis is just me really just analyzing the situation, and it's not really because I actually saw some, I heard some truth in Diamond's point, but I think it's mis- right. It's misguided in the sense that I agree with you, sis, that this is a false equivalence. It is a false equivalency because there's absolutely no way that you can look at those two groups and even though they are engaging, so there is a possibility for people to engage in two different behaviors and for there to be two different motivations, right? You can actually have two different fears and still do similar behaviors, but they're rooted in different things. Right. One is rooted in the fear. So now as a cis man, men in a patriarchal society are able to navigate with an unencumbered sense of safety because as a man, if the 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 only part you're taught from being young that no one is supposed to be able to even look at you aggressively without you being able to assert your dominance. Men are been socialized to see themselves as dominators, as controllers. And so, and they have the license in society to be given the least, the, excuse me, the most amount of leeway when it comes to self-expression, when it comes to the ability to get um, social mobility, when it comes to the ability to get economic resource, when it comes to the ability to get all of those things. And that's just what we know in a patriarchal society. When you add the fact that you're now dealing with someone that is masculine, now not just male, but also masculine and heteronormative, and they are navigating the world with all of the rights and privileges there to ascertain, 
what they actually have is the ability to be in a gilded cage, a protective cage, a bubble. Because as a man, I get this level of respect. I get to engage with these women. I get to engage with trans women. And I get to engage with cis women. And because I'm a man, I'm not to be challenged nor questioned. And even if this information were to get out, I'm still a man. So you even questioning me is now not okay. Whereas we live in a society where to be black and trans in America is to be a feminine black body in a place where neither one of those things are going to get any type of respect. But at least for a black award, for a cis, a normative, heteronormative appearing man, he's able to not have that second strike against him. When you're black and trans, you have to navigate in a world where it is dangerous. There are people out here as evidenced by videos that we've seen recently of trans women being just attacked in the street. We know that trans people are attacked on site. And any trans woman, every one of us, hopes to be able to get home safely at the end of the day. Now, while black men or men of color may have that fear from the police, by and large, physically, in the world when they navigate, people are afraid of them. So they don't necessarily have that impending fear of being brutally murdered on site because someone finds out they like trans people. What they're actually protecting is their security as in, in their place in society, the social pecking order, the caste system that they're a part of. They're trying to keep the privilege of being able to say, I'm a man and I'm heteronormative appearing and I'm masculine. And you're not gonna let me get, you're not gonna take that away from me because of what I like. So rather than you take it away from me, I'd minimize these other people. I'll silence and shun them. But for trans women, when we're trying to be stealth, we're actually fighting more than one societal construct. But what we're actually trying to do is find the safest route possible to get home at the end of the day or to continue to keep your job or to continue to navigate. And I think that it is a misnomer to categorize that as privilege. That is not actually, actually privilege is when you can be trans and navigate in the world and be yourself and no one will bother you just like it is for that man that is navigating that way. Because the reality of it is when we walk in, we wear trans on our face. And we hope that the face that presented that day is acceptable enough to not be wanting to be killed. This man, if he doesn't tell anyone, he has no obligation in the world and no one will know that he likes us. So then what he's actually protecting is his ego, his male identity and his privilege. And to combine the two and to even compare the two is apples to oranges. It is a false equivalency. So I agree with you, sister. Yeah, and I think she tried to rebut, she tried to rebut to me by saying that like, well, stealth trans women also sit by when violence is enacted against trans women like um, DL men do. And then she she pointed to the Soldier's Girl movie, which was based off a real story where a trans amorous man was beaten for his attraction or his relationship with a trans woman. But I was but I was like, sis, point one, even if a trans woman is being problematic or not do not, is do is being problematic in the ways that uh a DL man is with their action to help the cause. I'm still going to have more energy for the for the DL man at the end of the day because he is cis and she is she is not. 
and I'm going to circle back to that to that point later. Two, the so while I do recognize that men could face violence, let's be clear, that was a white man in the army that faced the violence. What stories have we heard about black um, cis men that are trans amorous really facing violence um, because they were outed other than they might have lost a job or they exactly. might have lost access to like that really doesn't happen for the niggas and you know and that. even deeper sis in the real society if you were to break it down and actually look at the statistical data how rare is that in comparison to them dating us lying about it not wanting anybody to know and then in order to keep their secret they're willing to do whatever it takes including kill someone that's actually more common than a, than a, than a man, because here's the reality. Unless he's with the trans woman, he does not have, and he's not operating in some small little country town or a tight-knit group like the military. When he's navigating the world, who would know that he's trans -amable? The man at the gas station can't see that, because if he's living, living and he is heteronormative and he's operating with that level of privilege of masculinity, they may not even know that about him. And so then he only has to worry about when he's around people that do know or when pe or when he's around her. And so that even minimizes even more the risk factor to him as opposed to the trans woman that does not have to do anything wrong, minding her business, can walk into a gas station, have an altercation with someone that can lead to a community beating her on the head for her being identifiably trans. Right. And the, the whole thing is because because we are trans, we don't, we don't, even if we are stove, when we're found out, we don't get to opt in and out of cis hotness like DL men do. They get to, and though, and though, and let, let's, let's, let's tackle this point now because I, I see where Donna was trying to go where um, stealth trans women are trying to act, or stealth trans women are trying to access the same privilege that um that they're trying to access the same privilege that um cis dl men are trying to access mm -hmm. but it's but one d cis dl men are naturally born with that privilege that's one so that's one two i think people need to like really interrogate um what stealthness means to me Stealthness is like, at best, it's like a constructive fiction. Because if at any point you can be outed and all your privilege can just be taken away from you like that, is it really privilege? Is it really privilege? Exactly. And let's be real. Even if you, because I can hear people flipping in and saying, well, the same thing with a man. He can lose all his privilege like that. Does he really? Like beyond the initial embarrassment and shock of his family and friends, the people who know him know, even if you live in a small town, there are thousands of people that could not give a fuck about whether or not you're trans. When you still navigate and going back and forth and navigating in your day as a man, your masculinity gives you the ability to be able for, for motherfuckers to not want to challenge you. See, I, I think we are, are, are also not realizing the privilege of masculinity and the way that feminine bodies are policed. It, violence against women is a thing. Violence against feminine black bodies is a thing. So to equate the people that are, are committing the violence with the people that are being the victims of the violence is really crazy to me. 
that's the thing that I'm not getting. It's like, how are we conflating the two when I'm hiding who I am so that the other doesn't kill me? Yeah, I, I just really, I really think we as a community, we are going to have to really start to, t- to challenge and deconstruct um, this like myth of stealthness. Now, what I am not saying, I am not saying that um, some trans woman, um, that the more cis that you appear, that the easier your life will be and the less of violence you will have to face. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is you appearing more cis or your transness being less detectable, um, detectable does not mean that you are still not trans. And at some point you're going to have, like, we have to, we also have to get away from the idea that all transphobia is like physical and verbal violence. Like transphobia is systemic. Transphobia is institutional. So we are still daily interacting with these institutions, whether you have had a sex change or whether you appear to be more cis. At some point, just like with racism, just like with blackness, it don't matter how privileged you are, how much money you have, whether you are Republican or not, blackness is a universal experience where at some point you have to deal with racism, just like trans folks. At some point, it don't matter how real you are or um, any steps that you take, you at some point you have to deal with transphobia and it, it doesn't necessarily have to be violence for it to be real. And then I kind of brought in the point we're seeing we're seeing the limits of the stealthness because guess what every trans person is not being murdered and dying. A lot of us are aging and a lot of us are stealth. But what happens when you run into problems associate health problems associated with your assigned sex at birth? as an elder person and we still live in a medical system that is binary that that prefers and privileges cis people what happens when you are a a trans woman um whether you're post-op or pre-op you are assigned male at birth you are stealth you go through your whole life being stealth and then you then you start to have prostate problems and you had now you have prostate cancer and you try to go to get help, but because we live in a binary medical system and a binary health insurance system, nobody wants to touch you because women women don't have bodies like that. Or even with trans men, how many trans men who lived their lifestyle but then had to out themselves because they developed ovarian cancer? And then when they tried to go um, get medical treatment, were denied, 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 denied. Why? Because systemically and institutionally, um, the our health our healthcare system is transphobic. It's it's a documentary about exactly. that um, called Southern Comfort, where the white trans man back in '99 was living stealth, then developed ovarian cancer and was denied treatment so much. And by the time that he finally got to see the doctor that wanted to help him. He was too far along from the cancer and died. Shout so, out to like, the team at Southern Comfort. They were, that was founded here in Atlanta. So shout, right. out, shout out to them guys. Um, I know them personally. Shout out to that, that group of folks. But I, I want to say this too, sis. I think what people forget also is the idea that we as a community are... Um, 
we deal with so many multiple intersectional intersectional um, discrimination so much that I think sometimes you can look at a community and think that because some people that you even see in community look on the surface to have privilege, you can forget how that is only defined by the person that's willing to give them grace in the moment. Because the reality of it is, like you said, when you're black and trans, there are, when you're minority or when you're trans, period, there's a moment where the, where the, where the story has to be told. And you, it will be, and you often are having to explain yourself to people that you actively lied to in order to protect yourself or what you thought was protecting yourself. Right. Now, I don't understand how you could equate the two because in my opinion, what we're actually, the reason we lied in the first place was not because of transphobia, which is why the men lied. We're lying, not because of necessarily transphobia or us being ashamed of ourselves or us trying to necessarily deny. I mean, there are some girls that deal with various levels of all of this. I mean, there is no zero sum game to any of the opinions that we have. Right. But, but by and large, trans folk aren't never, and let's just keep it a thousand, never have the passing privilege that they believe that they have. Now, all of us, and this is just me speaking from one of the girls, and this is for my young girls out here, and I don't want, because I know you're looking at Aeon, and you're looking at me, and you probably look at girls like Diamond and all these other beautiful women that are out here that have been doing this a long time, and you see us on these computers, and you see us, and you're looking at our lives, and I know that it looks like it is smarter, it is easier, and it is the move to live and, and, to, and to carry and to, to try to seek the standard of what realness is. And what I'm about to do right now is not to tear down anyone. It's not to say that there aren't girls out here. Please don't send me pictures of your bestie or your favorite girlfriend so you can show me how pretty she is. I'm telling you this, that, that no matter how real a girl is to some people, no matter how you go, no matter how many surgeries you had, no matter, you will always be trans and somebody will know. No one, not even on this earth, it's not even cis women that have a 100% track record, baby, okay? Or even I'm if not, you die, bitch, somebody's gonna know at death and then they can do whatever they wanna do with you well, on like your you death said, certificate. Even before death, when it comes down to getting medical care, when it comes down for you to get in the correct, the surgeries that you're gonna get to maintain your knee or vagina, if you have one, and for the when it comes down to just in general, your backstory, like there's no real, real stealth long-term as a possibility in real life. Like, Especially in this day and age that we live in now. Because unless you have, unless you, unless, and especially as I gonna say, this is not pre-internet. So unless you somehow have lived in a witness protection program where there's no evidence, no feed, no previous accounts, no nothing, none of your family have pages or pictures of you anywhere, there's nothing out there. And even then, you still have to make sure that there's no type of connection, no friends, no, like it's not like it was back in the 70s when you could move across country and start anew. Like it's the this is not the world we live in. So for the girls out here who that are young, that are hearing us talk about this realness, and you think, yes, bitch, I want to be real. Just know that realness is in the is in the eye of the beholder, and that in that often the emphasis on the physical leads us down a very toxic path mentally as a community, and it fuels this DL phenomenon. And here's why. So what I have experienced is men 
that, and when I was young and when I did not, when I was not comfortable with me being identified as trans by a man, I would carry on and act in a way that made men feel comfortable pretending like they did not know my gender. And I encouraged that behavior because in my mind, I thought that by me not being quote unquote, being able to be perceived as trans, meaning I, I, I can live and navigate without people reading me or making fun of me. I thought that by having that, I also needed to have men in my life that were not into trans women. And I wanna take this moment, sis, and to get your thought. What do you think we should do as trans women or as trans individuals to unpack this deal? Because it's easy to put up a post and, and make it like we're talking about somebody that's on the older side of the room over there. But we're engaging trade. We're inviting them into our lives. We're giving them their life. We're giving them attention. And there's something that we're doing that's not giving them the impetus to want to seek change or to want to do better. And I want you, I wanted you to just maybe unpack for us, sis, what are some things you think we're doing wrong that we could be doing better to stop DL men from being able to just run them up? Um, well, before I answer that, I just want to close the, um, the previous topic up. Stealth, oh, trans, stealth trans women, in my opinion, are not the same as cis DL men who hide. And I think it's um, a slippery slope when we try to compare the two. And we need to acknowledge whether somebody is stealth or whatever, they are still trans. So in the grand scheme of things, it's an imbalance of power. So no matter how stealth a trans person is, they will never have as much societal power as Ooh. the cis man, whether he's DL or not, which is why the burden should be placed on these men to do better, to accept your truth, to live in your truth. Or even if you can't do that, stop killing us and stop being shitty to us and stop making it harder for us to live our lives. So I just wanted to put a bow on that. Um, going back to your question, sis, and I think I'm going to harken back to what I said earlier. Of course. Th this is a new awareness, right? So don't, like, we're not going to have, like, the crystal clear answers to that. We're just, um, we just want to start a consciousness. We want to continue to um, build on the awareness. And I can, I can really only start by talking about myself and about what I do. First, let me let me talk about my story. And I hate to be long-winded, but I, I just want people to just really feel where I'm coming from. Like, our culture, as trans women, specifically Black trans women, there is no way that you're not going to come in contact with somebody that, a uh, cis man that is DL or discreet. It's kind of inescapable. It's kind of like, you know, racism. It's just like, they are always going to be there. It's always going to be in the room. It's always going to be in the culture. And I think um, if you try to be extreme or if you try to create these hard rules, because no shade, we're, we're in a new day. A lot of us are living professional careers. A lot of us are wanting to, li to live in the regular lives. And a lot of us want love. I know at some point I want love. I want to be in a um, normal relationship. I want to be able to 
um, be with a man and his DLness or his discreetness doesn't have to be thrown in my face or it doesn't have to be become a burden on me. I, you know, I want things to be regular and I want them to be normal, but realistically, an overwhelming majority of the pool of men I meet, particularly Black cis men, they're going to be intertwined with the DL culture or whatever in some way, shape, or form. And that's just something that I've come to accept. And dealing with the end, I think you are, I've also had to um, be honest and say how dealing and interacting with DL men in certain ways has contributed to my depression. Um, it's contributed to my low self-esteem at, at times. It's contributed to suicidal ideations when I'm dealing with, romantically with men, even with men who say they're out or say they've owned their attractions, but you know that a lot of their inaction to do the right thing and to stand up or and to be the men that they need to be has something to do or is connected with them being DL or being discreet. That takes an impact on me as a woman, as a trans woman moving throughout this world. And, you know, these are things that I've had to work on, like, through therapy, through talking to my girlfriends. So, but being realistically, you're not, we're not going to be able to change this overnight. So what I've been able to do is, like you said earlier in the conversation, there are a place for DL men, right? There are a place for them. Yes, I agree. At best for me, um, DL men, all they can ever be, no matter how suave they are, no matter how smooth they are, all they can ever be for me is like a hookup or a sexual partner. And I'm at the point now where where I can accept the situation for what it is. And I can just have you as a sexual part. And what that looks like for me is we, first of all, you need to be doing, I need to be getting satisfied at the end of the day. If all you can offer is sex, I need to be getting satisfied sexually. And then on top of that, because you're a DL, you don't get access to what's going on in my life. You just, you get the bare minimum and all that because my experience with DL men or closeted men is they know they're not right. They know they're not going to show up the way that they're supposed to be. They're, they're supposed to show up in your life, but they want they want to have this because they are so insecure or they're so scared or they're looking for an escape. They want to feel that intimacy with you. They want to they want to experience you, black trans woman, as a whole person. Um, even though they're not going to do right by you or even though they're going to put you on and off the shelf like you're not human. So mm-hmm. for me, I have le- I, basically, you have to learn how to stop telling your pieces all of your business. Like when it comes That's to hard. my career. Every man does not need the girlfriend experience. No, no. When it comes to my, and you know, that's one of the ways that I personally divested. Um, if you're a DL, if you tell me off that, oh, you're DL, you're discreet, okay you don't you don't all you need to know is my name um and based uh, you know what i like in the bedroom you don't need to know about my hopes and my dreams or because that shit starts to create soul ties and because we are women we typically tend to overshare stuff and that's how we get 
um, caught up in situations. When somebody is clearly communicating, to me, when you're communicating that you're DL, you're communicating that you lack um, a level of certain emotional um, maturity. So I just know not to engage and but because culturally we as trans women have been conditioned to be there and be psychiatrists and be therapists for these men, a lot of times they are resistant. Oh well, wow. You know what's this? Let's unpack that. Like I think that um for some of the men, what my sister's talking about right now is when we are dating you. We have a lot of times gone through hell and high water. We've gone through periods of maybe isolation from loved ones. We may have had to deal with, you know, fighting and finding our identity with our employers. We may have had to educate all the people in our life as to how to accept us. And in a lot of cases, by the time you have come to meet us, we have paid the cost to be the boss, to be these women that we are. We have invested in ourselves mentally, spiritually, and physically enough to take the, to have the courage to be able to step out on faith and step into freedom. Only to then be in situations where you're around someone that is still in confinement and wanting to confine you with them. Right. And, and wanting you to not only confine yourself with them, but then now you become responsible for helping them find the keys to the, their own jail cell. And I think what a lot of men don't realize is, is that we don't have the luxury, nor do we want or have the desire to want to help to, to not that we don't want to be your partners, that, that, not that we want, don't want to support your journey, but we don't want to feel like I am responsible for creating my own safe space in your life. So then the problem that we have with DL men is that it's an empty relationship, an empty promise. Regardless of what you're offering me physically, emotionally, spiritually, regardless of the things that you're telling me, it is all empty because you have already set a predefined wall on how we're going to be able to elaborate. And what my sister was speaking for you, for you um, trans women out there, we need to be careful about wasting our time and energy trying to provide what I kind of cut in and said the girlfriend experience for men that are offering nothing in return but a good time. I'm not saying for anyone, and I, don't, and I know that my sister isn't saying, because we are very much sexually mature beings in the 2020. We're not trying to oppress anyone. We are very sex positive. What we're saying is, is that you have to not extend the emotional energy that you would for a relationship for a man that's not offering you anything. And, and, I, and let me let me jump in and cl be clear. I'm yeah, gonna let's right. have some grown black trans women talk. Now, are you going to ask everybody, are you on a DL or are you like, are you going to ask that? No, but I know the culture. I know the pool of men, at least from me hooking up and hookup culture and all of that. I know the culture. So I know even if, even if he says he's not DL or none of that, or he sees how serious I am about that and how I don't like that, niggas are going to lie. Niggas are going to lie, like, like like that, you know, that's just what they give. So, and again, like we say, we're not saying like stop, like that's, I don't think we're saying, oh, you can't have sex with them. You can't touch them. You just have to deal with them accordingly. Cause at the end of this, at the end of the day, you have to look out for you and you can't expect somebody to look out for you um, when they don't even have the clarity to be real with themselves and to be real with the people around them. And like we really, because another point Diamond made is that, well, it's unrealistic because 
uh, overwhelming a lot, m amount of DL men are not violent. It's only some people. But then I'm like, well, we're not speaking to the some people. We're talking about the culture as a whole. There is a culture that says, even if you're not violent, it's permissive for you to be violent against this one trans woman because you will still be protected. Just like when we talk about when people try to do the, well, the good cop argument. It doesn't matter because the way that the system is set up, a good cop could easily turn bad and still be protected because culturally and systemically, um, just like police officers are valued, cis men, whether they are DL or not, they're still going to be protected in some type of way. So this is, we don't care about the individuals. We care about um, pushing back against the culture because the culture is literally killing us. These niggas are literally killing these girls, not, not even when the relationship comes out, at the possibility of the relationship going out after they have already freely engaged with these um, young trans girls in private. That part. So the possibility is too much where you have to go kill somebody. That speaks to the culture that supports this mentality and this behavior. And we have to start to push back against it if we're going to save our young girls. Because I I'm, I'm, um, made this point talking to other people. It is a new motherfucking day. These, yes. these children... See, the thing with us, with when we transition, because a lot of us did not transition into um, like our 20s and shit like that, we kind of had like a delayed puberty and no shade, we're, we're in all actuality, we're really behind our cis counterparts. If there isn't a, you, we start out with an arrested state of development, you're right. Right, so we're behind, like, so like shit that my cis um, people like I went to high school with that I couldn't do in high school. I had my first experiences as a woman in my 20s. The difference now is these children are starting to, are transitioning young. So they're going to be on par with their sex counterparts. So when they get to the, their teenagers and they get to those ages, they're going to want to be just like everybody else. They're not going to want to live in secret or hide this or do that. And we're not going to, and this is not to say that it's not dangerous and we won't try to talk to them as elders in the community, but there is not, a, it's not the same as these children start to transition younger and younger. And now you have these gender non-conforming children that are not even trying to assimilate or trying to be self, but they're I'm still having experiences with these DL men. It's a new day, so we can We as the elders, kind we. It's imperative for us to push back against these culture, so the culture, so we can save these children, because they're not gonna want. They're gonna want to do exactly what their cis counterparts are doing in high school. And like I said before, these niggas are purposely engaged. They're going to our platform to queer platforms to find trans women they go into the grinders and the craigslist these niggas are going and they and they be in whole relationships with cis women and when they're done with us they delete the app off their phone or they clear their web browser like they're they're purposely engaging with us but when it's the possibility or the inkling that they can come out the it's okay for them to kill us and the culture supports it. We need to kill the culture. So it's not even about boycotting the, the D, it's bigger than that. It's about killing the culture as a whole. Speaking of culture, sis, 
I think this is a great um, place for us to talk about. Um, so, and if, if you follow us and we know we have some shout out to our loyal listeners, by the way, if you're still listening at this point in the podcast, we thank you. And if you would like to continue to support black trans business, please feel to like follow and subscribe, but also donate on anchor. But anyway, y'all. So I was going to say, this is a great place for us. I feel like to talk about how this intersects the larger black culture because i know that there are some people right now some people that consider themselves allies that are not trans amorous that are not trans folk of any kind that are and that that are not lgbt even that are listening to this conversation and saying how does this affect me i'm a cis woman i may not be married to a cis man and i'm single right now or i'm in a situation where i'm just i'm i'm not i'm not you know it's not a transamorous type of situation some of you on here are wondering what role do i play in contributing to this phenomenon why because i think the culture is bigger than the man or the individual we've done a lot of talking about the psychology behind why men do what they do but and and we talked about internally how that shows up and how they engage with us but i think it's a great point to talk about the larger ecosystem so now black people um insist if you could love i would love it if you could give your example and then i would like to be able to speak as well on what are the ways in which the larger culture in general particularly for people of color the larger um, um, respectability politics involved in the larger black culture, how does that affect the way D, the, the, or feed the DL phenomenon? Um, I, I guess it harkens back to um, like toxic, toxic masculinity and how, um, particularly for black men, how black men are sp- expected to perform their masculinity and them liking anything outside of um, cis is wrong, should be attacked, they should be challenged or be told that they're gay. And what ends up happening is they, ne- they never stop engaging with the community or lusting after the girls or seeking after the girls. Right. What ends up happening is that they learn that if they're going to do it, they can't talk about it. Or if they do it and they get caught, it's a problem or she tricked me or I didn't know and I didn't, it didn't tell me and it perpetuates this narrative. And also what it contributes to is a lot of these men that are having these interactions with these black trans women and harming them are your partners, are your husbands, and they come back into your bed um, after doing this and they're probably doing the same things to you. But because but but because we're taught to deny it and vilify it, there there are never because the, because okay, there there are some DL men who maybe aren't violent. Let's entertain that. Okay. But a lot of times, the the one thing that they say, um, or the main reason that they give for feeling um, they don't feel comfortable to. Um, be real about what they like is because in larger community, either either by black cis women or black men, they're not really given given space to talk about what they like and still affirm their identity as men. So they hide it and they are become ashamed of it. And if the inkling of it comes out, it encourages them to get violent. So that like again, 
this is a black culture problem. Mm. This is this isn't just this isn't just relegated to black trans women or them girls over there because even though they keep us as secrets or whatever or however they move, they're still a part of the overall culture, and they, and they they're touching every part of the culture, even though they're not talking about their interactions with us. They're still coming back to you, and that's why I'm a little bit um, pushier with the men because actually you do have the power to shift and and. And let me shout out to Trans Supportive Brotherhood and that movement and what they're yes. doing with the um, Black. But I, we need to see more of that. We need to see more groups. We need to see more men stand up and be, because let's be clear, let's be clear. It's not just some subsection of um, cis Black men that date um, or uh, have sex with trans women. It's a lot of black cis men that date and have interact. Why? Because we are women. So if they're attracted to cis women, they are they're they're attracted to us, and they're interacting us, and they're engaging us, and they're finding us. That so part. actually, we're a bigger part of the community than we get credit for. And no shade if black trans women share a lot of their stories, shout out to my sister Gia Love who said this, then and only then would people know how intertwined black cis men are in our lives. Because like I said earlier in the show, if I was the type of girl that outed and it's so it's so many girls on social media that and I would never out them, but it's like, oh, your baby father had him. Oh, your husband, oh, we had an experience because it's so they're interacting with us. So the bird to me, the burden should not be on trans women to um continue to do the labor. That's why I'm happy. We live in a time, and he's not trans attracted, or I don't know if he's trans attracted. I'm happy we live in a time where we have like the conscious leads on these other black cis hat men with these platforms that have the analysis that they probably learned from a, a black trans woman mm-hmm. or from watching a black trans woman, but they have the platforms with the right analysis so that they can begin to start to push back against this narrative and bring a lot of these conversations out to the forefront. But we have, but we have to begin to look at this as a black um, culture issue, and all of us on all sides have got to um, start divesting from this DL culture and and black trans women, my sisters, and I made a I made a status about this too. This mean this may mean that some of us may be having less sex with these men, or me ha- may be having less access to these men. And no shade, that's the risk that I'm willing to take in order, if it means that less girls will have to be murdered by um, these men. Like, let's have that conversation. Because it's a, it's a lot of girls invested in perpetuating this DL culture. Because no shade, you do get access to fat men. You, know, you do get access to sex. But at the end, but when you look at the total sum, is is it worth is it worth all of these young black trans girls not making it to fucking twenty years old? That like part. when you look at the when you look at the bigger picture, is it worth that? Is it worth like 
we need to start unpacking our own internalized transphobia and learning to stop prioritizing these DL men who are refusing to do the work on themselves and stop painting men who openly acknowledge their trans attraction as shiny um, chasers as, or part. undesirables. Because this is all connected. That part. I want to say, I think there's a the the unpacking the deal culture and how it applies to larger black culture i think we need to remember that the societal stigma that these men that is placed on them like my sister said it is tied into toxic masculinity but one of the biggest and unknown offenders of or or least least talked about offenders of upholding toxic masculinity are women. Women, we need to talk about the way in which women inadvertently encourage their men, their man to lie to them or to feel unsafe sharing the, with this uh, unsafe, creating a space where this man feels unsafe sharing his identity with her. And here's how it happens. So we live in a world where to be defined as male, to be defined as not just being a male, but a minority of color, to be, to, be a, to be a man in society is to have privilege. But to be a minority of color is to be a man with privilege with, a, with an asterisk by it or a caveat. And so what ends up happening in our culture, we inadvertently use the same ideologies that white people use to oppress black people and black men and black women and black children and black bodies. We inadvertently use that same logic to police our children, to police the men in our lives in a way that is upholding masses rule book, upholding masses standard that is in comparison to whiteness. So a lot of times, what you will have is you will have mothers talking about gay people badly to their children, who then some may become trans, but some also dealing with the fact that they find those people not as ugly or as disgusting as mama said. So then now these men grow up in a society where from a young age, they've heard the women in their life speak ill of femininity, even in themselves. Don't hold your hand that way. Don't sit like that. Why are you talking to him? Don't you know he gay? I don't like that. Don't know gay boys better come up in my house. I ain't okay with that. What we don't realize, Black women, is that sometimes we end up upholding DL culture by implanting in our children the seed that LGBT people are disgusting. That's where it starts. So then now, when you fast forward now, and these individuals have grown up, you have these trans people that have fought that that heard them lie, heard that got taught the same thing, but don't have the luxury of not being able to live their truth and have chosen to embrace themselves, have gone through this process. And now when they show up in the space, they're required to be who they are. But you have this deeper insidious thing that happens with the men that like us. They happen to live in a world where they know that the women around them, the women that they love so dearly, because again, Transamorous men are not necessarily bisexual. So then you have these men that enjoy the company of men, but then they remember what mama said about them sissies. They remember what the world told them about those people. 
they remember how they look around and they see the objects of their desires being picked at. I've been in public with men that in all intents and purposes, I knew he loved me, liked me, was willing to go out in public with me. But we happened to walk up on somebody he thought he knew and baby, the way he walked ahead of me or behind me or act like we didn't know each other was shocking. Or we were in a situation where we were in public and he was worried about me not getting through. And so then the hand drops, the way they treat you changes. And I, unfortunately, black society, these men are treating us like this and carrying the lie back home to their families because the, there is no safe space to be transamorous in black society today. So the way we uphold DL culture is we are telling these people they can't be themselves or they will be ostracized. So now, if the object of my desire, this thing that I can't help but like, that's vilified so heavily, if this person exposes me, if that thing were to come out, I'm going to lose everything. And I'm willing to do anything it takes to protect my reputation, my standing in society, the way that my family looks at me, the position that I have to play in my family. Because let's be real, how many times have we heard cis women say, all the men out here is either gay, either gay in jail or dating with them trannies. And, and it's like something that is said to, to shame men. And I don't think women realize it always backfires on everyone. Because then you still have your husband laying next to bed in you, seeking trans women out for sex at night. And then when faced with the reality that this house of cards may tumble, he is going to then exact any type of desperate, desperate, desperate revenge on the object of his desire. And he knows, and this is where DL Comp, this is where it bites you in the butt, women. He knows that if he but tell you, she tricked me, you'll forgive him. Because you don't want to believe yourself that you could be up, that in your mind, that your man, that you might be sharing a partner with a trans woman. So you're going to let your ego and all of that toxic masculinity look you right in your face and tell you, she tricked me. And you're going to believe it. Because that's what's going to make you feel good. So yes, DL culture is about DL men not being honest about themselves to us and their partners and their cis heteronormative families. But it is also the world creating an environment where I would rather you keep the secret. Like the gay man in church that plays the organ, and as long as he don't say nothing, he's delivered and anointed. But the time he bring his apartment, his, his roommate to church too long, too many times, now it's a problem. You knew he was gay the whole time, but you were willing to play blind. It's the same thing. You know your man looks at trans porn. You know your man. Oh, <laughs> no, 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 bitch. I need to say it just like that. Because there are, the way that DL culture is supported is by the silence of everyone. It's when a trans woman gets killed and you know your husband or loved one or some nigga that you know may have something to do with it. And he told you, oh, it's because I, you know, one of them tricked me or that bitch tricked me. Or let's say you catch your husband in a situation and you let him use that logic that they tricked him. When you're doing that, you're upholding the culture and you're encouraging them to continue to lie to you. Because if you're under the sound of our voices right now on Black Grown Trans Woman Talk, box number 512 podcast, found on all podcast platforms, if you're under the sound of our voices, we're telling you that they are not only, like my sister said, knowingly and intentionally seeking us out, 
but you are encouraging them to lie to you when you don't create the safe space for them to be honest about what they like sexually, what they like about what they like about us, and to not lose everything when they do say, hey, I want to date a trans woman. That should not then allow them to be uh, ostracized in their community. So in this conversation where we're unpacking DL men, you're not exempt rest of the black culture. You are also contributing to the problem. Right. So I got and I guess the the what I want to leave off here with is at the end of the day, we as trans folks can do little stuff to that. But and shout out to my sister um, Tona. She um, to Tona Tona Brown, the um the vo- the um the vo- vocalist and the um, violinist, but she um had a conversation with me and she was like, sis, when you date these men, you need to ask them, is there, is their life set up to date a trans woman? So that means does your, does your family know? Does your mama know? Does your daddy know? If this become, if this relationship comes out, will it affect your employment? Or are you in a position where it doesn't have to affect your employment because you've insulated yourself or you you set your life up in a way where your job or your position won't be threatened um, if it's find out that you are in a relationship with a trans woman? Because again, it's your responsibility to, to set up and make room for us in your life, not the other way around. Right. I don't have to carve out a space in your life. You should have already prepared that nest for me to land in. Right. So yeah, that that's something that has always um, stuck with me. And when you ask, you'll be surprised when you ask them that a man that, and he can't clearly articulate that question. That's not somebody you need to consider for a relationship, because that's clearly somebody that has not done the work um, to show to prove to you that he's not DL, that he's not closeted, and that he's not going to run game on you. Because somebody that has accounted for that and who's gone through that process is going to be no problem. You're not, he's going, just as he wants to be a part of your life, he's going to incorporate you into his life. So there's definitely um, things that trans folks can do to, to divest if that's the type of life that you want to live. But in my opinion, the bigger burden is always going to be on the cis folks. Yes. Because at the end of the day, we need to realize that um, we they have the bigger burden because the, um, they have the they they have the greatest power dynamic, especially when it comes to relationships between cis men and trans women. Cis men should always be willing to do more and to go above and beyond because societally there is a power dynamic imbalance. It just is. You have access. You have privilege. You have the ability to sit at tables that we could only dream. Right. We expect that if you're going to say you love us, that you want us to be respected at those tables, even if we're not there. Right. And you, that's just something. Don't gaslight me saying it. And I get that it's hard, but in the grand scheme of things, even if you are outed or something happens, it doesn't, it doesn't compare to the way that trans folks' lives are collaterally impacted by being outed, by being murdered, by facing violence. And you're just not going to, you're not, you're just not going to convince me to, um, 
you know, believe that it's so much worse for you when you still continue to um, hold your privilege and will your privilege, even in interpersonal relationships with trans people. So cis folks need to be doing more and you just really have to um, compart- com- if you're really, if your intention is really to challenge the culture and really to, sh- um, to, um, to, to push back against the culture and to create a new normal, you have to you have to be willing to hold these men to task in all areas because they have shown us time and time again when it's time to stand by stand up for us and do right for us, they're going to fall on their privilege and not say nothing. Agreed, agreed. Um, I also wanted to so then we talked about something and I know we I know we're we're going on a little long but I, I, I want this is an important topic. We want our viewers to really, really grasp. So then now, I, we talked about the way DL culture is, is a larger issue, a larger issue. And we've talked about a couple of times in this, um, 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 so we've given some strategies and we've given some ideas for the girls. Um, but I, 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 do, I would be remiss if I did not want to also bring into the space, because you use the word tranny chaser. Mm-hmm. And I think, that that is one of the what we if we bring it up the DL phenomenon we would be remiss if we did not call ourselves out for the way that we sometimes can mislabel people that are trying to get to know us simply because we have been hurt before mm-hmm. simply because we have been we do have trauma simply because we do because I heard us telling these men that they need to engage with us in a way that is open that in a way that is honest in a way that is clear in a way that is but i i want to be real that i think that our community also deals with its own internalized transphobia and i think that that internalized transphobia makes us sometimes looks at ourselves as unworthy of attention love and support so what we actually sometimes in our quest to, to, to be these women that we are, there are some of us that approach it from a, an insecurity, from a dysphoric place where they honestly feel deep down like there's something wrong with them, physically, emotionally, spiritually, and that if anyone wanted to date them, that that is inherently something wrong with them. And so what we do, that word trans... Wanted to date them because they are trans women. Correct. Wanting to date them because I'm trans. Like, why would you want to date me if I'm trans? Why would you prefer? More importantly, there's a lot of, there's a lot of trans women that have a problem with men that prefer trans women. And right. I want to just unpack that toxic mentality. So for me, I wanna, I'm, I'm going to talk first here. Um, for me, I can say that when I was younger, and I spoke to this a little earlier, but when I was younger... I was resistant to date a man if I felt like he was into me as a trans woman because for a myriad of different reasons. But one was, let me keep it real. I grew up in a world where HIV AIDS, before PrEP, before all of that other stuff, was a world where people made it seem like it was a death sentence. We know now that it isn't. We know now that the world has evolved. But there was a practical reason at some point why I was afraid of dating someone that I felt, because I also know that I I accepted the false statistic that pathologized our experience and made me feel like I'm high risk. Me just being existing is high risk. And that having sex with me is risky behavior. 
So then I would say if a man is dating too many of people like me, he's inherently risky because we are risky people. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And I thought that I was being academically educated. I thought that I was using the statistics in a way that is healthy. That was before I realized the racism in the way statistics are given. Mm. <laughs> and the way the data is collected <laughs> in the way that the information around medicine is presented to the public. They're targeting populations. They're actually marketing certain things with certain statistics because they want to market drugs to certain populations of people. A lot of times minorities, people of color and trans people, we've been experiments for things. And so I had to take all of that in consideration when I looked at men that dated us because I was seeing them inherently as dirty by liking trans women. Now that's before we even unpack the spiritual and psychological trauma that had already been done to me that made me feel like I was unworthy of love personally. Now, when you add that onto it, so add I'm already scared because I feel like if you like us, then you probably are risky. Then you add on to it that I hated myself and I had a self-loathing that was grounded in the way I was raised and the teachings that I got around what it meant to be trans. So then you put that together and you had the perfect recipe for me to attract every DL nigga in America and the kind of men that are the worst of the worst. I've dated men that have been violent. I have been attacked. I have been all of those things. And I could not figure out for the life of me, what was it in me? that was broken or that was vulnerable to these type of men. And it took a lot of soul searching, it took years, and it actually took somebody loving me through my bullshit and, and, and having a husband that has been a wonderful um, example of somebody that does like the girls, that has dated girls previously, and that is a good man for me to finally break that. But, I am sharing that today because I know that there are a lot of women out there that when they see a man that one already in advance is into you physically, already telling you, I know what it is. I like what I see already engaging you. One, I get that it's a trigger because we also are engaging with a lot of men that just want to fuck us just to say they did it. They want to take a, a notch on their belt right. and make and say, I fucked a tranny. So I get that psychology and I get that hesitancy. And that's normal. You should actually have a vetting process because it is unsafe in these days to just date any old body as a black trans woman. We know they're killing us. So I get the, the hesitancy. Where I have a problem is when someone that is actually trying to get to know you mentally, physically, spiritually, and emotionally that likes a woman with a penis and doesn't have a problem saying that out loud that wants you to be your best self and your most authentic self and to him that doesn't require a stitch of hair, makeup, or prostate or anything for him to love you, why are those men called chasers? And why do we then tear them and down and denigrate them? See, it took me dating someone that I would have probably previously labeled a chaser just because he dated more than one trans woman and had been intimate with them. If, if I took that, I would have missed out on the best relationship of my life. And it took me unpacking that toxic narrative, because now that's how toxic masculinity shows up in us. The toxic man narrative that to like anything as abhorrent, as unique, as different, as I'm using all the words that I had, unique, different, but also abhorrent, dangerous, and risky, to date us 
is to be something that I'm not interested in. And I want you to know that that is toxic behavior, guys, out there that are listening. And that's something that if we don't stop, we will constantly give them the excuse to then go back and run and tell people she tricked me. Because you yourself now are allowing yourself to date men that are coming in with the mentality of, I don't want nobody to know. So then when he leaves up out of here, he's trying to get you to believe, he's telling you in advance, I'll do anything to protect my identity. I'll do anything to protect my identity. When, so when you hear a man telling you, oh, we need to be discreet, we need to do this, we need to do that, and he's acting like he's real nervous, you need to know that that nervous man is telling you, I will do anything to protect my masculine heterosexual identity. And if he's not paying you, you should be very, very nervous because that man is gonna do anything he can to emotionally manipulate you or to control the scenario so that you never ever are in his real life. And you wanna be careful of that because in your willingness to get this perfectly fine, heteronormative, nobody would know he's so, and he ain't never been with none of the girls, that mythical man y'all looking for is a myth. It's a legend that does not exist. They are gonna lie to you. And once again, now they're DL to you too. Because now they've lied about the fact that they like trans women even to you. Because like cis women, you believe that it's okay to shame men for what they like. Sis, I actually don't have anything to um, add to that. I think I think that was perfect. I totally um, agree with that. Um, and I feel like um, really hitting this culture that... Um, hitting this topic dead on one, you know, everybody has to accept their accountability in the situation. And like I said, we as trans folks, we have to be willing to really work through our own internalized transphobia because just by virtue of being in this world, the trans you we grow up um, receiving messages of transphobia and that's something you essentially have to work through in order to um, divest yourself from this culture that is toxic to us. Um, but also reminding um, cis people that y'all are cis, y'all have the power, and you should always be doing more to not um, oppress us and keep your foot off of, um, our necks. And that we're we're not here for your enjoyment or for um your um pleasure at the expense of our humanity. Cause bitch, I'm tired. Agreed. And that's the last part I want to end on too, sis, is that like that ability that that we're tired. We I'm tired, tired, bitch. We started this whole thing out, and our first episode was trans is the default. Am I right? That was episode number two. <laughs> oh, sorry, two. But the point was. Number, very early on in the beginning, sorry, it was too, you're correct. Very early in the beginning, we understood that in order for us to truly affect change, we could leave no characters behind, no actors, no agents in this situation behind. We knew that it was imperative that we reach back and remember that, I, that we are nothing without the ecosystem that we're in being safe. And most importantly, that included the men. For those of you who have, who listen to our podcast, you may hear us talking a lot about the murders and we speak with a lot of angst, a lot of anxiety. We sometimes may be in bad moods as a result of us just having really, really shitty news sometimes to share with you guys about how we're being treated. 
But what we realized early on was that difficult conversations with between black trans women and men were important. And that's why we collaborated with a podcast on one of our, on one of our previous episodes to have a conversation with trans amorous men so we could get it from their point of view. And we felt like before we got into DL, we wanted to be the podcast that was extending the bridge. So many podcasts out there, podcasts out there now are talking about the same things and that's important. But what we wanted to do was approach it from making bridges and not dams. So if you're listening now, this conversation has been difficult and unique. But if you notice, we're providing all types of context and we're speaking on it from an intersectional conversation, a truly intersectional conversation. And I think hopefully everyone listen understands that our intent is to approach this out of love. But from the very onset of this podcast, we knew that we needed to build bridges with our brethren, bridges and not dams with our larger black community. And we also want to make sure that as listeners, you have been given the tools to be able to adequately provide for yourself as black grown trans women. For those of you who are listening, we wanted to help you understand from our point of view, tools that have worked for us to be able to transcend some of these things, these systems of oppression that seek to keep us down. Today's episode was on a DL phenomenon. Stay tuned for many, many more. Sis, did you have anything to add? Um, no, other than um, this is the first. This is the first of many conversations because, like I said, this is newly being brought to our awareness as a community, and I, I just think it was imperative um, to discuss it and to dis and to have a con. Like this is a, a like a, a one, two, three step manual. Like we like we don't have the answers, but it's something that's worth us talking about, unpacking, and um and working through, and uh and us telling you guys where we're at. Like me, I I only entertain DL men only if I'm need to get a need met sexually and nothing more. Like you don't you you don't get to be DL and get to have access to my life because me the cause to me the stakes are too high. Exactly. The stakes Literally, are too high. My life is on the line and that's way too high of a stake. Right. The stakes are too high. The stakes aren't that high when I'm choosing to engage you sexually and I get to put you on the show. But when you try to um latch yourself onto my life and to get intimacy from me when you know you're not going to reciprocate that energy to me because you're afraid of what society is going to think about you but it's okay for me to be public and out there and vulnerable and open to attack and not to be protected to that me that's a problem that to me, and i don't i don't want to and i had i had to come to a place where i didn't want to live that life anymore I didn't want to like it. Ser it served it served me for a, a certain point in my transition. But the woman that I am now, I have a place for those type of people. You know something you said just now, sis, and and, and or something you said. Actually, you didn't say it just now. You remember when we had the call? So for those of you who don't know, we're constantly having other collaborative conversations and meetings, and you can catch us on other people's podcasts and platforms. But a lot of what sis and I do also is community education, and we had the opportunity to educate some trans amorous men on one of their support systems. And one thing my sister said was about one thing my sister talked about there that I don't know if in that space in that moment everyone was willing to receive 
what were solutions. And so I would love to end this just because we're those people. For those fellas out there who are listening and you say, oh shit, I might be DL. What is the pathway to redemption? Like, how can we get you to that place? And I threw, and my sister said something, and I, I just want to quote you really fast because you said something that was really powerful that I want to remember. You said, in your effort to get to create solutions, that they need to be a part of the movement work. And um, and I remember that we were having this conversation because some of the fellas were resistant to showing up to the spaces. So t- let's talk a little bit about that now. Um, How can they transition from engaging with us in a transactional DL way and transitioning that into something that looks like more holistic? I don't even know if, because those men on that conversation were at least to the point where they were willing to admit to other men and well, some of us. I don't want to assume that, that our listeners aren't at that place because there may be some no. guys that are like, I know I'm DL, but I don't know how to get out of this. And I'm no, listening to I, you guys. But I think, I think for this conversation, all I would want to give the listeners is that they shouldn't be using mm. trans women or any women, period, to work through their issues. Because exactly. to me, that's what I see the problem is. Because whether it's a trans woman or it's a cis woman, because these cis women know that these men are struggling with trans attraction as well. Mm-hmm. To stop using these women to work through their issues of trans attraction or any other issues and really to go seek therapy or go seek... And I, and I hate to... That's really what to me. That's really what it is because it's it's rooted in men feeling like women need to be the support to help them work through their shit, and then when they're done with us, they can just dispose of us. I agree. I want to add though that I think that meant like what you said. I think the, a strategy, a, a tool, because I I don't want. I guess the, that's actually what I was saying. So then the strategy or tool is one. Do your own research, go online and do what you need to do to find out what you, what it is to find out what it is you like, find out what it is, but also see seeking yourself and find out why it is, what it is you like about these people as people. I can't tell you how many men that I feel like date us and they are not. We are not the best of both worlds. If that's all you have to say, it's a child. That means you have not had a real connection with a trans woman if you're saying that shit still. Because any trans woman will tell you that is the height of disrespect and it is minimizing to our entire experience. I am more than a sexual encounter. I am more than my body parts. I am more than the best of both worlds. I am not in comparison to nothing. I am me and I'm worth it just for you to enjoy me and not want me to be trying to meet needs that are, that are different. Like that is a horrible expression and it completely minimizes us as women. But that's not, that's a deeper point. But back to the, the, the solutions for men, I think you need to seek therapy. And and I think that sounds cliche. And I and I wonder. And I know there's some men out there that's saying, "I'm not crazy. Why do I need to seek therapy for this?" I think we need to change the mentality in our community that people that deal with any type of mental issue or have any type of angst or need to process through issues with someone that that is something wrong or that that you have to be crazy to do that. I feel like if more trans amorous men took the opportunity to go and do their own personal healing journey with a therapist. Let me say that again with a therapist, because I feel like like us, they go through a transition. And if you don't ever really unpack the trauma that was placed on you surrounding this, this, this 
desire that you have, this attraction that you can't control. Like if you have never processed that, you're going to be toxic. And whether you realize it or not, you probably are. And so that's another step. Like even for the men that don't think, oh, I'm not, it's not that I'm DL because I date trans women. I go out with them in public. There is a such thing as being emotionally unavailable because you have not rationally thought through what it mm. would be like to connect with one of us. You get mm. what I'm saying? So, bitch, more importantly for anyone mm. on the sound of our voices, an amazing strategy is for you to actually seek an intervention an, an intervention into your life where you are able to communicate, whether that be through a men's group or one-on-one counseling, the ability to be able to process through what you're going through and actually get support through this because to do this alone it is almost too hard and in this world without support if you don't have it you may end up showing up toxic without meaning to so i want to put that in the space as well the biggest solution and i thought you were going to say it since that's why i was football that's what i was really footballing to you for the read for you to read them about their mental health but more importantly it is not our responsibility bitch, bitch, I, i'm too busy trying to get my mental health in track girl you got to save yourself shit Exactly. And, 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 and no shade. You said that previously. That's why I said that just now, because I think men need to realize like you need to get your own mental health counselor for yourself and you need to actually, <laughs> like actually have that kind of conversation with them because a lot of y'all are still in that, like how we have an arrested state of development. It's like, okay, I like these girls. Now what? How do I show up for them in a way that is emotionally balanced, that is responsible, that is healthy, that is not overimposing, or that is not distant and 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 and, and disconnected? Like to getting to know someone that you've been taught to hate, loving someone that you've been taught to hate is going to take a deprogramming. So do the work to deprogram yourself. And somebody trans, oh sorry, somebody trans amorous, a trans amorous man just broke it down to me that even they go through a second puberty dating and dealing with trans people. Mm-hmm. So yeah, y'all need to talk to some, not us, not us. We are not your therapist. Y'all need to talk to somebody uh, professional that are, are going to give you goals and steps for how to address it so you can show up better whether it's a sexual interaction or because to be truthfully honest even though i might cut up with dl men in a sexual way i really don't like having sex with dl men because the experience is repressed and you can tell by when you having sex with somebody when they're not comfortable with what they're doing oh say that ain't it the truth Bad so, sex can also be a, a side effect of DL behaviors. Right, because you're not free in your body. You're not free with what you're doing to my body. And no shade, the session is late. And, bitch, and the worst is when now afterwards I have to help you process through. Because we had an encounter and now you feeling awkward. And I have to help you through the, well, what does this mean conversation? Don't right, girl, out. I'm get not here for that. Get the fuck out. Fuck girl, go talk to, again... Go talk to a therapist about that. But yeah, y'all got it. Y'all, ha- again, stop leaning on women, cis or trans men to process your trauma. That's what uh, that's what professionals are for. And because y'all are men in society, it's likely that y'all will be able to make more money where y'all can afford these services over women who uh, make, uh, what, three cents on the dollar. Black women. Exactly. So I think we can end this here. Like I said, this is one of many conversations on this topic. 
Um, I'm really happy with what we were able to talk about. Make sure y'all, like I said, we, we this is not the the, uh, the black and white of the conversation. Uh, make sure you guys comment. Um, tell us what y'all thought about this topic. We, we'll, we'll most likely be discussing this on the live this Friday. So uh, make sure y'all um, are sharing your opinions and um, letting y'all voices be heard. But yeah, we want to get up off here, honey, because I'm ready to turn this air conditioner back on because I'm a tad warm. Yes. Well, thank you guys for tuning in to Box Number 512 Podcast, Grown Black Trans Woman Talk. This conversation has been wonderful, but we would like it if you could like, follow, and subscribe to us on all of our social media platforms. And we will see you guys next week. Bye. Also, feel free to donate on our anchor page and, uh, and, and, and remember to tune in Fridays for our live after show. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of Box Number 512 Podcast. Grown Black Trans Woman Talk. Don't forget to go to our anchor page to become a monthly sponsor. And also feel free to like, follow, and subscribe to us on all of our social media platforms. And also, please don't forget to rate and review our podcast, Every Comment Matters. And lastly, please, please, please follow and tune in for our live interactive Facebook show every Friday on Facebook and YouTube. Until next time, I'm the Lioness. And I'm Aeon. Bye.